with my interview with Karen Mantler. And Karen is uh, an amazing avant-garde singer, pianist, and composer. And I first uh, noticed her in 1989, but she had been uh, very active before that. And uh, in fact, started from an incredibly young age because she's the daughter of Carla Blay. If anyone knows, anyone who knows uh, jazz, modern jazz, experimental jazz, Carla Blay is it. She is an icon and uh, Karen Mantler definitely follows in her footsteps. And yeah, and why I noticed, um, I was going through my favorite uh, record store back in the vinyl days uh, in San Francisco and North Beach and I came across this album cover and I said well this is too good not to, to try and uh, the album was called My Cat Arnold and being Arnold what could I say I had to buy it and lo and behold it the music stood up as well as the (laughs) cover did and uh, you'll hear all about her cat Arnold through this process but um, in 1989 this is when I first heard this song and uh, you'll be able to see why and then we'll get on with the uh, interview with Karen Mantler Arnold more than a cat he's not
pleasure to meet you, Karen. Likewise. <laughs> well, thank you for joining me. You're welcome. I was intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it was. Uh, it went back to 1989 when um, I was in my favourite record store there in uh, North Beach in San Francisco and flicking through the vinyl and suddenly I saw my name there. Uh-huh. My cat Arnold, I said, who is this? And um, the music was much more valuable even than the cover. <laughs> it, I didn't just, you know, you may buy something for the cover, but uh, in the end, the music is what holds you. So uh, I've uh, enjoyed, you know, those uh, albums um, ever since. So um, thank you very much. That's great. That's nice to hear. I'm glad. So did you, when you saw this, did you know that I was part of a musical family and knew what the label was, or was it just completely a um, cold discovery? Uh, Back then, yeah, it was just a cold discovery. Um, Yeah, it looked intriguing, uh, my name there, and it looked quirky, and I I love quirky music. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I hope you don't mind me saying that, but uh, sure. uh, something that's different than uh, what we normally hear. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I like to play on on my radio, on my show, is uh, things that don't usually get played. Uh-huh. That's um, great. Maybe a month or two ago, I played um, The Stove. Um, you did because it was the, uh, I think the anniversary of Benjamin Franklin, uh, patenting his stove or something. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, the, the story behind that was that it's actually called my stove and I had a boyfriend, his name was Steve, but we all called him stove. I don't know why we okay. still call him stove. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was a song about him. But, you know, I couldn't just write an ordinary love song. I had to disguise it. So that's the story about that. And then Eric Mingus was the one who luckily knew a lot of names of different kinds of stoves. He made all that up. Oh, wow. Oh, beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Being an engineer by trade, you know, I love that stuff. Uh Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, you know, knowing that, that you were the daughter of Carla Blay. Obviously, I discovered later, and uh, oh my goodness, uh, there was quite a musical um, background going on there. Uh huh. Yeah. So, and and that's something I, I did the math, and uh, from when you were born to when your musical debut is five years. Is that yeah? <laughs> yeah, I was on Escalator Over the Hill. But, you know, anybody could be on that record. (laughs) Carla, just anybody walking by, she'd say, come on in, join the chorus. Uh, A lot of people who weren't musicians were on that record. But she did particularly, she she liked the idea of a kid, you know, and I was there and I was free. And actually it was a good way to keep me occupied. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. So yeah, tell me now. Obviously, you know a lot of uh, musicians I've I've uh, interviewed. Uh, you know, maybe they picked up 
their first guitar when they were 14 or some of their parents gave them a drum set when they were 12. But with you, it sounds like it may have been a different upbringing. Could you? uh... Uh, Yeah, I learned to read music before I learned how to read words. Uh, (laughs) I played all different kinds of instruments. I mean, I was... I, I was around musicians all the time, and to me, that was everybody. I thought everybody was a musician. And so I I went through a lot of different instruments, but I was very lucky. You know, like I, I tried bass, and my first bass lesson was with Steve Swallow, and I tried drums, and my first lesson was with uh, Andrew Surreal. <laughs> and then I tried, you know, every... Every instrument I wanted to try, there was always somebody around, you know, to give me a lesson. And But I didn't do well at any of those. I gave them all up. And uh, I was going to a sort of unorthodox boarding school uh, from the age of 5 to 10 because mm-hmm. my parents were touring and not around. And, but a lot of other uh, musicians, children went there as well, like Gil Evans's sons, Miles and Noah were there. Steve Swallow's daughters, Jenny and Hannah, were there. Bill Evans's daughter, Maxine, went there. So it was a, a weird place. It was called the Open Community School, and it was fashioned after an English school called Summerhill. Oh, I remember that, yeah. Which was about uh, children just being let to <laughs> run loose and decide <laughs> what they wanted to learn. Nothing was mandatory. They would say, well, what do you want to learn? You know, what would you like to do? But you also had to take care of the place. You know, we all had chores. and So I was there for a long time. But when I finally uh, decided I wanted to live at home, I went to a normal elementary school, and I took up clarinet, and I was in the band. And that was the first instrument I actually was sort of good at and stuck with for a while. But I was pretty quickly thrown out of the band for being subversive (laughs) (laughs) and refusing to play the written notes and try to improvise. (laughs) (laughs) And and around that time, I mean, I had been on a couple of recordings, but around that time, my parents decided I couldn't be left at home anymore alone. And so I was put in the band playing glockenspiel. (laughs) So I was touring with my mother's band when she had a 10-piece band, um, like just six horns, for quite a while. And I was playing glockenspiel on that band. And then later, though, by the time I was 17, uh, she had taught, I had learned how to play or- organ. And she had been the Hammond organ player in the band, but she moved over to the piano chair, and I took over on Oregon, and so when she had the big band, I think starting around 1989 or so, I started touring with the big band, as well as my band. Sometimes we would play double bills together. But then, but it's interesting, uh, but then, uh, again, um, you, <clears throat> you did all that, and then you went back to school. Yeah, then I, I, well, I went to Berkeley mm-hmm. College of Music in Boston, um, mainly just as a way to not have to work and be able to hang out with musicians and play music. <laughs> I got a scholarship. 
So I did that for a few years. My mother said I could do it as long as I did not graduate. I was forbidden to graduate because the only people who graduate just become teachers at Berkeley. That's what she said. <laughs> so I went for four years, but I didn't declare a major. I wouldn't take composition classes. <laughs> Again, I was a little bit subversive. Indeed, we are speaking to Karen Mantler. Let's do another one of her tracks. This is I Can't Afford My Lawyer. my lawyer Karen Mantlow will get right back to my interview with her this is Arnaldo your host of Tommy's Holiday Camp every Friday from 7 to 9 here on KOWS LP I'm, I, I, I'm not a musician myself I love music and you know I don't know all the forms and what they're called and things and how musicians do things but certainly 
your style, I don't know how it developed. It's a very... I'm going to get myself into trouble again. (laughs) Well, it's unusual timing to start. Timing in your music is incredible. Um, It changes a lot in in the tracks. Um, Is that, you know, one of your things you like to do? Uh, Yeah, well, I was always encouraged to search for different things. And I also wasn't exposed to a lot of ordinary pop music. You know, I I was raised listening to Ornette Coleman or or whatever my parents were working on. Um, I also, though, really, you know, like R&B and soul music and and stuff like that. I don't really consider myself a great jazz musician. But for me, it just comes natural to, for each song to need to have some sort of interesting rhythmic theme and to vary it from song to song. You know, my mother would say to me, you know, while you can't write another ballad, you you know, think of a groove or something. I also had a, uh, one of my band members was a drummer, and, you know, I'd come with a batch of songs that were all slow and sad, and we'd go through them, and he'd say, well, come on, you know, let's try to put a groove to it. How about this one, maybe? It could be a samba. This could be reggae. This could be, you know, so it was a conscious effort, you know, to to take the the chords and the melody and and then try to come up with something that would make it uh, more fun to listen to. I tend to just really, you know, play. I'm so thinking just about the notes, you know, and the words. Mm. I always relied on other people in the band to help me a lot with that. Well, you and you and you have it's great your the way you um, slip in, in and out of different um, size bands as well, from the trio up to, you know, big bands or joining in with uh, other musicians as well uh, into their uh, works as well. That must be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I I wish I, I was doing more of it now. I mean, since COVID, it's been pretty solitary. <laughs> Yeah, I've been doing any of those COVID Zoom where you join in with other musicians for anything? Yeah, I actually just recorded my latest song. I have a trio, and we did a remote recording, sending files back and forth, and it turned out pretty good. But it was hard. It took a lot longer. You know, instead of sitting in the room saying, well, what do you think about this? Well, no, you should change it a little bit. If each... Each change, each note would require a different email, you know, and it was it wasn't as much fun, but mm. I did do it. But we were saying no, we really should be it'd be so much better to be in the same room in the future. Yeah, we shall see. Yeah. <laughs> to to your music also apart from the timing uh it's interesting um uh, the vocalizations were always interesting in um uh often uh there'll be men uh vocalizing behind you i've noticed which is fun uh, how how you place vocal other vocalizations in your music is very interesting well thanks yeah i mean i would always have the band sing which i guess i got from my mother but also i think uh I don't know. It reminds me of James Brown. You know, there were always people in the background talking, and I always loved that. Or even Marvin Gaye, you know, like people partying in the background and 
And it always seemed like a something to lighten things up, you know, to have the band chime in and sort of like a Greek chorus, you know, like me and Eric would be going back and forth, you know, deciding about some talking about something. And then the band would come in and give their opinion, you know, and, and it just was always a lot of fun to do that. You know, your music is obviously not pop music and, but, um, you know, that's why I like it. You know, I love top music as well. But, you know, again, I love something that somebody's doing something totally different from anybody else. And um, and even your voice, uh, you know, from hearing you speak, you know, just to me, it, it's very different how you even uh, sing. Um, how, how do you work your voice um, in, into that particular voice you use? Just it's just my voice and it's real plaintive and my mother that was another thing that happened when I was younger when I first went to the public school I joined the choir and I came home and sang her some of this stuff and I was pronouncing all the words really strange you know to blend in they do this you know with the choral music and she said what are you doing don't ever do that don't don't sing like that just sing like yourself you know, don't try to blend in, and this is horrible. So then I had to leave the choir, too. <laughs> but um, I always just, I, I never felt like a singer. I just felt like the person, the only person who could sing the melodies that I was writing. Mm. You know, and, and so I was just trying to sing them as simple as possible. I was never interested in emoting. And I think a big influence on me was a friend of my parents, Robert Wyatt, mm. who has a very plaintive singing style. And I always loved him. So. One of my favorites from uh, ever since Soft Machine. And, uh, oh, yeah? Oh, he, I saw him many times in England. Wow. Yeah, I love him. You know, a couple of my songs, are he record, I recorded with him. I noticed that on uh, Cuckoo Land. Um, yeah. I, didn't, I, I, I didn't realize you're on it, but I played that. <laughs> yeah, well, a couple of those songs I wrote. Oh. Yeah. Oh, he wow. did covers of like uh, two of my songs. I used to always pay my bills on time. But then somehow I fell behind. Right away the bill collector started calling every day I'm afraid to answer my phone They don't want to hear my sob story What can I say? break All I need is just a month or two I'm sorry but right now My cash doesn't flow Checks seem to bounce like rubber but please don't you blame me Business is bad you know I want to pay you just as soon as I can But please have some patience Business is bad No matter how hard 
I try to catch up. It seems like just a drop in the bucket. One day when I'm rich, then you can have your money. But please, what's the hurry? Business is bad. Doesn't flow. Checks seem to bounce like rubber. But please have some patience. Business is bad, you know. I want to pay you just as soon as I can. But please don't you blame me. Business is bad. No matter how hard I try to catch up. It seems like just a drop in the bucket. One day when I'm rich, then you can have your money. But please, what's the hurry? Why can't you see? Please understand. Business is. When you play the piano, do you start with a melody or a theme, and then go with the words, or does you know do you do you switch back and forth with your your um, compositions? Well, I start by just playing a couple of notes, and I try to find two or three that sound good together. <laughs> and 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 you know, at first it's just nothing, you know, but once you've got two or three, it's then you start to have an idea. And then they might have four or five, and then you think, well, this is this could be a song. <laughs> it has to be something that interests you. But then in order to um, bring it forward, my mother taught me this. 
it really helps to have uh, an idea in mind, even if you weren't going to share it with people. Uh, you're, you're thinking, well, what is this about? You know, and it tends. To, well, my cat Arnold is a great example because I had to write a song. I was at Berkeley. I said, I don't know. I don't. I have a few notes and chords. I like them, but where is it going? And and my mother said, just think about something you really care about, something you believe in. And I. And I said, well, I sure do miss Arnold since I left home. She said, write about that. And so then I, I wrote, you know, the words. And, you know, the words suggested a melody. Mm-hmm. You know, just when it, Arnold, you know, Arnold. It, it, it just sort of came out. And I didn't really intend to keep the words. I thought I would use the words as a way to shape the song. And then I'd just get rid of the words. Mm. But... They were they were good, I thought, <laughs> and so I kept them. So that's about it. Yeah, it's just it starts like completely random, and then it's you have to. There has to be something, some sort of order to it to get you to develop it any further than just improvising. You know, and then there's the. Uh the feelings you put into it. Um, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of your subjects, you know, there's, you know, a bit of pain and suffering and hurt uh, involved in a lot of the uh, the words uh, in your in your music. That comes out. And, and for me, you know, you seem to do all those Greek words, you know, the pathos and bathos and all those things seem to come out in your, uh, <laughs> in your work. Yeah, I I I don't do it on purpose. That's just who I am. I mean, but I definitely I never wanted to just write love songs, you know, which so much music is always just about love and even if it it was coming from loving something, I felt I had to disguise it and that it should just be more um true to every day, you know, like just things that happen. I have a lot of songs called My This, My Stove. A lot of them are just about ordinary daily things. Well, the new song is called No More You. And that's sort of came from, you know, a lot of people dying in the last five years. Mm. And so it could almost be romantic if it wasn't about death. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot, a lot of songs about death too. <laughs> so, you know, everybody needs that. I mean, they need it just as badly as love songs. You know, songs to mourn to. Absolutely, absolutely, no question. And so, yeah, um, what are you working on now? What um, you know, with this uh, time in uh, COVID time, uh, where have you looked? Uh, what What are you uh, proceeding on? Uh, well, I just recorded this one song recently, which was quite an effort, and I didn't really want to do that anymore until we can get together. And honestly, what I'm working on is I've just moved into a new house that's 100 years old and needs a ton of work done, and I'm spending all my time painting walls and sanding floors. Um, and, you know... That's, that's just the temporary, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not sitting at the piano because 
it's a mess around here and I need to fix it up. You know, and Carla has not been touring. She had some bad health. And so she's at home, not playing. Her husband, Steve Swallow, is not touring. We're, the whole Wattworks team is sort of on hold mm. and just, you know, dealing with simple life at this point, which we're lucky is good. We live in a beautiful place, very isolated, and we're able to to do that, to just concentrate on what we want to do. You're listening to my interview with Karen Mantley, the avant-garde musician uh, born in New York City in April of 1966 and she's the daughter of Carla Blay and Michael Mantliff. Uh, you jazz aficionados uh, know of such things? Well yeah we did the uh, My Cat Arnold but she didn't just do one song about her cat. Let's hear a sad one. It's uh, uh, her Karen Mantle and her cat Arnold get the flu. Sweat. The room is spinning 
is as bad as the flu. Nothing. What would be nice compared to this? Torture. We start to shiver and then we sweat. distributed by UCM, but it's it was their label that only put out Carla Blay and Michael Mantler albums. Um, my father left in the early 90s, moved back to Europe. And so from then on, it was only Carla's records. Um, but they, then we started a subsidiary called Extra Watt. And those were just like sort of family members, which really just turned out to be me and Steve Swallow. And one, the first Extra Watt record was by my boyfriend, Stove. (laughs) But that was a long time ago. (laughs) Uh, So all in all, I mean, Watt has put out 35 albums, Extra Watt. We got up to 14. Uh, And I've always worked for the company. I not only designed the website, but... I work in the office, you know, and, and, and deal with all the publishing for Carla. And, well, back in the day when she was making albums, I did all the CD artwork as mm-hmm. well. I'm also, you know, working with her all these years as her copyist, very close to her. And for the big band, copying all the music, acting as her proofreader, which now isn't really happening, but we're selling, you know, I've digitized a lot of her music is available as PDFs. And so uh, people, universities and bands buy her music and play it now, which is great because we were very careful that it was notated very well so that it could be played without her there. A lot of her music is very purposely written so that anybody could play it. And it's a great thing. You know, I think that uh, in the future, this is a repertoire that will be available, you know, to students. 
So I work on that. I try to keep that going. Yeah, now, Carla, the last few records were just on ECM. We sort of stopped putting out new releases <laughs> on lot. So that's pretty much done. But it's it's quite a it's quite a legacy. You know, it's, it's like 50 records. And they still sell, you know. Well, mostly are downloaded. Right. Pennies, but <laughs> Indeed. Uh, has uh, Carla done a biography? Has your mom done a biography? Uh, no, but, uh, well, yeah, she, well, she hasn't done an autobiography. Autobiography, yeah. But there, there, are, there are several biographies uh, of her. One is by a woman named Amy Beale. Uh, so that was an American one. And then there's another very good biography done by someone in France. But those are two good books. She always kept a very detailed biography on our website, you know, that said the facts of everything that happened, as I have. But no, she's not going to write her own book. It's out there. All the information is out there. Coming up to the last bit, we'll do one more song here of hers. Why not a bear? On the other hand, fish are cold and wet. They don't live long. And I hear they are expensive. I need something soft that I can You don't mind. I have a suggestion. Why not get a bear? Big and strong. It would keep you warm. A bear is what you need to keep you company. Why not a bear to take care of you? Well, you do make it sound tempting. Well, you know, I do have my ways. But I don't think my landlord allows Paris. Well, you know, obviously you'd have to move out of the city. And you've always been talking about doing that. It would be nice to live in the country. Yeah, it'd be really cool, you know, sort of right outside the door. There'd be a bear there. That's true. I could live in the woods. Bears have nice big ears.
And uh, obviously, I've got to ask about Arnold. Now, he was your cat at home uh, when you were growing up then? Yes. Arnold, um, well, he was uh, he was part of the family. He wandered up out of the woods, out of nowhere. We couldn't believe that he didn't have an owner because it was the most beautiful cat, black with a white chin and white paws, and really loving, not feral, just very beautiful and big, really built, but not fat, muscular. Mm. Uh, and so at first we cautiously just fed him on the porch, but it, apparently nobody was claiming him, so we let him come in and uh, named him Arnold after Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm. And my father was Austri- is Austrian, and Arnold was sort of a, looked like a bodybuilder to us. <laughs> that was a long time ago when Arnold Schwarzenegger was a bodybuilder. And Arnold was just great. He was really special. And um, he was like my brother. I was an only child. And we all doted on him. And he was also like the studio cat. Like we had a recording studio in the basement. And he was always down there catching mice. Or just sprawled out over the control room desk trying to keep us from doing our work, (laughs) making trouble, laying on the piano, walking on the keys. And, uh, and when I left for college, you know, I really missed him. That's why I wrote that song. And then, um, he died. He died on my birthday. When I was 25, and Carl and Steve were in Europe on tour, and I was watching him. And it just was really strange how he died exactly on my birthday, so I always remember that. And then I wrote a song called My Cat Arnold is Dead. I wrote a few. I think first I wrote Arnold's Dead, but that was, like, so depressing that I, I had to do another version called My Cat Arnold is Dead, where I did like a little medley of both songs and included, you know, some little blues sections and up-tempo kind of things and put the guys in singing. All right. That's, that's on the record called Pet Project. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which was a record that came out on Virgin Classics in probably... I thought I finally had gotten my big break and I left the family label because I got signed to Virgin. But it turned out it was Virgin Classics. They didn't promote it at all. It was completely the lost record. Nobody has ever heard of this record. It probably sold 100 copies. (laughs) It's a shame. I might re-release it on Extra Watt at some point. But, uh, yeah, so that's the story of Arnold. But Carla never got another cat. That's what I was going to ask. Did you ever? No, yeah. huh. no never. Yeah, Some... that was it. You couldn't top them. <laughs> no, when you have a perfect pet like that, uh, that's it. It's sort yeah. of like any, you know, like a family member. You can't replace them. Yeah. Keep producing great music. Well, I, I really appreciate the time you've given me, Karen. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. It's very nice to talk to you. Thanks for listening to the music and being... So kind, it's it's very encouraging to hear.
Yeah, you've been listening to my interview with Karen Mantler, avant-garde jazz performer and composer. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, coming to the end of my show, this is uh, one of hers called Olay. And uh, I will see you next week. Have a wonderful week. And be good. Be careful. See you then. <laughs>